WGIF. It's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears, I think for the first time live in 2021. I forgot about that. Yes, you are correct. Glad to be with you. Glad we've survived the week so far. And of course, our survival on the radio hinges in large part to the Herculean efforts of one Benward Mathers. We like to call him oh. bad boy Benny at the board. <laughs> well, that and Happy New Year! All right, that's enough. I got a headache already. All right. <laughs> I got to lay down. I got to lay down. <laughs> we are delighted to be with you once again. And looking in 2021, not that it's the first time we've attempted this, but it just seems particularly pertinent this year to try to start off with something hopeful and something like news you can use, something from the metaphysical front, because Suzanne Mitchell and I take that view of life and we try to put it to good use, as we know many, if not all of our listeners do. And today, Suzanne, we are going to have a lady with us, a first timer. Her name is Kim Chesney. And she has written a wonderful book called Radical Intuition. And if there is a phrase that better suits Manson Mitchell, I don't know what it would be. Radical Intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power. Even that phrase inner power is replete with meaning. And we will find that out over the course of this hour. So let us get to our guest, our honored guest of this hour, and I'm going to read the bio, short as it is, but there's so much more to learn about Kim Chesney, a globally recognized author and innovation leader. Working for nearly 20 years in the tech sector, Kim has led initiatives with top thought leaders, technology companies, and universities around the world. She is the founder of Intuition Lab, a thriving global intuition community, and hosts live workshops and retreats in Pittsburgh. Kim Chesney, welcome to Manson Mitchell. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. We are delighted to have you with us, and particularly for me because the great trunk in the family tree of my family is on both sides, my mom and dad's side alike, is firmly planted in Pittsburgh soil. So this Wonderful. is nice to know. <laughs> awesome. It's, it's a great city. When Gary and I got together, I also found out that I have some ancestral Pittsburgh relations. Yeah. My great-grandfather, who eventually settled in Southern Illinois, used to do coal mining in the Pittsburgh area uh -huh. in the late 1800s. So when we saw Pittsburgh, we said, well, that's just going to suit us fine today. That's some good alignment we got here going on. <laughs> Now, we're a we are triangulating between Pennsylvania, Florida, and the state of Washington. Great. And uh, I tell you, our weather's probably the best out of the three today. <laughs> I'm guessing. It's freezing here. <laughs> Weather aside, Kim, I wanted to ask you, when you talk about Pittsburgh, it seems to me that the city for decades now has undergone a renaissance mm -hmm. because back when I used to visit it, I, do you know the last time I saw the Pittsburgh Pirates play in Pittsburgh, because I grew up in Southern California, and the last time I saw the Pirates play on their home field wasn't at Three Rivers Stadium, it was at Forbes Field. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's been a while. 
and the city skyline looks so much different today. Mm -hmm. I bring it up in the context of our interview only to say that Pittsburgh is the kind of place that has a cultural maturation yes. process underway. And with that comes the ability to give latitude to people who would write a book like Radical Intuition, because that's not the kind of thing ordinarily you would hear bandied about at the steel right. mills. Right. And, and I think you're totally right, because that Renaissance really played a big part in, in this book. And it, it, without that, I mean, it really was influential on me and my development and my, you know, bringing this voice into the world. Well, we, we read your book, Radical Intuition, and there are certain things we just like to concentrate on today. But one of the first things, which I think is pretty basic and, and we will really explain a lot to our listeners, is when you talk about how does your intuition speak to you? Because everybody's had these intuitive things that have come to them, but you actually outline it in, in great detail in your book that people get their intuitions in different ways. And right. so I wanted you to talk a little bit about how people get their intuition. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I, I'm so glad you asked that because you know, one of the most important things I found as I was starting to write this book and talk about intuition over the last, uh, you know, 10 years with people, this is my second intuition book. So I've been, I've been trying to really figure out a way to communicate with people in a real no-nonsense way about intuition and what it is and how it really is something that's just an embedded part of our, of our thinking and, and, our, and our processing of information from our lives. So um, one of the things I noticed is that there's so much confusion around intuition and people don't understand you know, what actually intuition is and how their intuition speaks to them. So when I went into these different sort of modules talking about the different ways that, that we all experience intuition, some people feel gut feelings, others have knowings, others feel it in terms of creative inspiration. So there's so many different pathways that our intuition can use to speak to each of us uniquely and individually. I really wanted to, with this book, show people that, you know, the different sort of ways they can tap into it in their own way and start becoming conscious of it. One of the nice things about the book is that you help people, you really guide them from beginning to end. And the first thing to guide them through is how does your intuition speak to you? And you have a, a long list of questions for people to answer so that they can get some idea. Interestingly enough, Gary and I both took the survey and Gary was very even in all four areas. Mm. And I thought that that's fascinating to me that there wasn't one that kind of stuck out. And when I did the survey, I came up with two that were higher and two that were lower. And the two, two that were higher for me was healer and mystic. And the other two were uh, lower. So, uh, mm. you know, one of the things that I like is is um, you know answering the questions so that rather than just starting from nothing, you actually start from a base of this is how intuition usually comes to me. And mm -hmm. so when you when you answer the question, you know how does intuition speak to you? It's in generally one of, of four ways, mm -hmm. and um, and you relay them as four different archetypes of, of which two I just spilled the beans on. <laughs> So uh, why don't you, you talk about the uh, archetypes about what happens when your intuition comes to you in a certain way. Right. And, and thank you for bringing that up because it's true. I really wanted people to start this book 
out really having a personal relationship with it. Like it's not just a book that you read about intuition. It's actually a book that helps you to work with it. It's a doing book. It's a learning book and interactive book. So uh, setting this baseline with this quiz to really kind of help you to, to get a hold on the many different ways your intuition is already speaking to you that you might not even realize it was been your intuition. So, and it's not unusual uh, to have different sort of variations with the outcomes of your test. There's no right answer, wrong answer, or better answer. Um, really that's, I look at the outcome of this little quiz is really your own sort of secret sauce, your own recipe for intuition. And it's unique for all people. Um, but once you start to see how your intuition speaks to you naturally, when you're not even trying, then you can kind of get an idea of the pathways that are already open, that the way that you've lived your life, we all have different intuitive pathways that, that just naturally open up to us as we go about our life. So I really boiled that down into these four archetypes. So to help people understand the very simple ways that intuition speaks to each and every one of us. Um, and the four archetypes really mirror the very basic age old concepts of body, mind, heart, and spirit. You know, I really was inspired by Carl Jung and the way he looked at the cognitive functions in those terms. And really as those um, sort of pathways as ways of, of receiving information from the outside world, as well as with intuition from the inside world. So when we look at these four archetypes, the one that applies to the body is the healer. You know, when we're working with our intuition speaks with us through our body and, and you know, we've got feelings or we, we just have these sort of sensations sometimes or like we'll get the, the, the chills if something doesn't feel right. You know, there's a lot of different ways, even if we're eating, different intuitive eating is so important, um, you know, helping to, you know, get our bodies healthy, working out, all those different things are things that are wrapped up in your physical intuition. And everyone has it, every single person in the world. Um, and then the second, the second type is mindful intuition, the, the intuition of the mind and knowing and choice, choice making. And that helps us to use our inner guidance to make these choices and live our best lives and align with our highest purpose. And the archetype for that is the sage, you know, the wise one, the, the person who really looks within to find that guidance instead of looking into the outside world and, and following all of the things that are the conditioning that's out there. And the third type is uh, the visionary archetype or the creative intuition archetype where we are called and we have callings to change and serve and create and, and build and, and do these things that make the world a better place or, or create our lives in a new way that improves our existence. And this is really powerful. This is, this is the kind of archetype of people like Steve Jobs who are out there innovating and creating or the artist who's doing something new and and all of those projects and passions that we have to really have our voice expressed in the world and and then finally the fourth type is uh, the mystic art archetype and that is really what we think of in terms of intuition in a real spiritual dimension when we're really connecting with that which is above and beyond us god the universe source whatever word that you have for that intuition is our connection to it and it's how we really ultimately commune with life and, and experience everything that's beyond our limited existence in this small reality. In particular, you mentioned Carl Jung, and that was a, a great explication of the foundation for your book, Radical Intuition, Kim. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Carl Jung, and we have plenty of people who do that on this show over the years, I can tell you that. When he talks about this, this universal subconscious, a, a kind of subjective mind to which we all have access, how did Carl Jung arrive at a conclusion to such a degree and with such confidence that you refer to this as an inner power? 
-hmm. you wrote radical intuition as a revolutionary guide to using your inner power, which presumes that there's an inner power that can be adequately described so that someone could make recourse to it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think Jung was a huge advocate of intuition. He completely understood it. He got it. Uh, I think he did a lot of exploration with it, trying to learn about it as well. And, and you know, the Myers-Briggs test that came out of that, you know, was really you, intuition is such a cornerstone to that, to that whole process. So, you know, for me, and I was very intrigued with his idea of this, you know, collective unconscious and but I really see it in a little differently in terms of intuition as, you know, as I, as I did my own research and my own exploration with it is, you know, I, in the book, I have this little section called the three levels of intuitive consciousness. And I think if you, if you understand intuitive consciousness in terms of simple unconsciousness, consciousness, and then ultimately higher consciousness or super consciousness, you really get an idea of the breadth and scope and the power of the awakening process with your intuition. So most of the time, most of us are living our lives sort of in between unconsciousness and consciousness. And if you've read any work by like Eckhart Tolle and the power of now, you'll understand what I'm talking about in terms of awakening and in terms of being present and mindful and aware, because as we become conscious, right, we are more able to uh, realize our place in the world and our effect on, you know, how we affect other people and, and the world around us. So we, we wake up, we really wake up to some new realities of life that when we're living in this unconscious place, just kind of going around watching TV and checking our phones and going through the daily grind without thinking, um, you know, we need to wake up from that into this place of awareness. And then once we get into that place of awareness and presence and consciousness, there's still another level. It's a higher consciousness, a super consciousness where there are things that our mind can't access through reason alone. Something we have to start tapping into the other side of our mind, which is our intuitive side. We have two sides of our brain. We've been taught to develop one side really well. We've gone to school, we learn formulas, we get really smart, but there has been very little education or support for the other side of our brain, the intuitive side of our brain, the genius side of our brain. So really what we're talking about is taking all the smarts that we've learned over the past centuries and building upon that by developing the other side of our brain and our mind and, and now developing this intuitive nature and seeing what the, you know, the possibilities of that are and where we can go. And that's what's going to take us into this place where we are in the place of genius, where we know things we shouldn't be able to know. We're able to access things that are above and beyond normal, typical critical thinking. So... So this kind of super consciousness is a higher awareness. Like you're fully present, fully aware. It's not something that's like instinct that's unconscious or that just comes through. It's a presence, it's a knowing, and it is a breadth of vision that we don't have in the unconscious and conscious states. I look at, oh yes, Suzanne. I was, I was just gonna say, where does the information come from when we are having intuitions and you're talking about these various consciousnesses, mm -hmm. where do our, where, when it feels sometimes like when I intuit something mm -hmm. that it it's being sourced from possibly outside myself mm -hmm. or a different level of consciousness, mm -hmm. where, do, where do you say that, um, that the information comes from? Such a good question. And you know, I like to look at things. I have a background in technology. I've worked in tech for 20 years. So uh, the, the metaphor of technology works really well for me, but it, you can use a different language for this um, in terms of spirituality or whatnot. But ultimately the way I look at my intuition when I use it every day is that you know, we know from modern physics that, that 
energy cannot be created or destroyed. All of the information in the world is out that the data that has programmed the universe that we live in this three dimensional universe, the four dimensional universe, five, however many dimensions, it's all there. We know that time is not real. We know that time is an illusion of our subjective nature. So the past, present, and future, everything that's ever happened, already happened, or will happen, has already happened. It's there. So all of that is information. And to me, the way I understand it is our higher self, is this part of us, this all-knowing self that we all have within us, is our connection to that bank of infinite data and truth that's out there. It's the all-knowing part of ourself that can see above the road ahead, far and beyond in all directions, when we're down on the road and can just see what's in front of us. So um, it, it, the answer to that is that it's, it is something outside of us because it is the universe, it is everything, but it's also something within us because it's our inner connection to that. So it is us and it's also more than us. Um, so really understanding it is sort of a download process. It's just something we simply receive. We don't have to work for our intuition. We don't have to figure it out on our own. We just connect to it. We just open up and let it come to us in that simple, quick epiphany, insight, or, or moment of creativity. You know, it seems like when you have an intuitive moment and it comes to you that uh, it, it's, it's a delight. It's like, oh my gosh, where'd that thought come from? And Gary and I have had several instances lately where we have found each other thinking about the same thing. One person will say it and the other person yes. will go, oh my gosh, I was just thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And it's very exciting. And then one of the things that you say, which I thought was so great was that if you can have it once, you can, you can be intuitive twice. Mm. And, and if it is repeatable, it's also learnable. Yes. And I think that is like <laughs> one of the really core things about your book, Radical Intuition, mm. a revolutionary guide to using your inner power is that if you can discover, I can do it once, I can do it twice, then all of a sudden it is something that you can learn. It just doesn't have to be a random moment here or there. You can actually use it. And that's one of the things I, I find exciting about your book. How, exactly. how did you come to that you know, idea? Did you yourself yeah. learn intuition or, or were you Absolutely. born psychic or, or what? No, I mean, I think we're all born psychic. Some people are just born more psychic than others, really. <laughs> we all have it. You know, we're all sort of born with this ability. It's just like a natural talent. Some people are just better at it, but everybody can develop it. And um, and, and that's so true. You know, I, I love that. Yes, 100% I developed my intuition. I um, I was an artist as, you know, as long as I can remember. I was always good at art as a little kid. So I know I was, I was naturally intuitive in that way. Um, but I think in my own life, I had many psychic experiences as a young child, being very naturally open to intuition that I myself had to make sense of. So I think the quest for me in writing this book, it really, it's been a lifelong passion for as long as I can remember. The first books I grabbed when I was a, a young teenager trying to you know, figure out the life was all about you know, intuition. And I was immediately drawn to it from a very early age. So I think this really, um, the experiences that I've had in my life, I needed to make sense of because for me, when I had so many of these experiences and you know, when you're young, people will tell you, oh, you know, that's not real. That's just your imagination or that's crazy or spooky or weird. That's the kind of response you typically get or, with intuition and in the old days, at least. So I'm really trying to make a difference with that and really open up the conversation to see this as really a part of our 
normal existence. And it's not something to be afraid of, but something to be cultivated because there's so much potential there. And I have some really great stories about that. I mean, one of the, re the really most impactful stories is when I was a young person, I was living in England and I had had a, a psychic told me uh, that I was going to be in a courtroom in I guess it was some year, 2004 or something. And it was like with the date. And I was like three years in the future. And she was describing this. And I was like, my friends and I were all there. We're like, well, that was strangely specific. And sure enough, didn't I end up on jury duty that year and got sequestered with the government and like all this crazy stuff. And I was like, well, she clearly could see something in the future. And if she can do that, why can't we all do that? Right. And if, if one person can do it, we should all be able to do it. So when you have these really, I call them validations, you know, in the book, it, they we talk a lot about this process of validation. When, when you've had an intuitive experience that is undeniable, right? There's, you know something that there's no way you could have known, but you knew it. Or an instance like that, when someone told you something where, oh my gosh, like there's no way they could have known that, but somehow they knew it. When you have these kind of experiences in your own life, you, you really need to make sense of them. And it's, it's such an important process in coming to terms with your own reality. So um, the more you have these little validations, these little moments, these little serendipitous things when your friend calls you just as you're thinking of them or, you know, there's so many different instances of where our intuition just plays a part in, in our daily life that these start to validate our intuition and allow us to build trust that it's actually something real, not something random. It's definitely not. And yet, Kim, and I'm on your side in this discussion. <laughs> But you and I both know plenty of people who will say things, as I just read on one of these uh, chat rooms where people exchange opinions on subjects, scientific and metaphysical, and typically at odds are the two. Mm -hmm. And this one gentleman opined that there isn't, and I'm getting this about verbatim, how can people believe this stuff when there is zero evidence to support anything even remotely close to the paranormal? Well, I think somebody hasn't done their research is what I would say to that. There's a lot of evidence, actually. Um, and even if you look at the U.S. government, the U.S. government is the biggest place, look, if you want in terms of evidence and how much money they've spent on intuition over the years and, and to the tune of millions of dollars. So um, there's actually a lot of evidence out there. And there's actually a lot of real solid validation throughout history if you really take the time to dig and open up. But I think people... I think a lot of people don't want to open to it because it requires sort of a paradigm shift in their life view. So it's easier just to say, there's no evidence and I'm going to close my mind to this now. When you talk about the government spending millions, Kim, are you referring to remote viewing as part of that? Yeah, the, the Project Stargate and that whole yes. process that went on, right? In case you know, listeners don't know about that, uh, the government spent upwards of $20 million over the course of 20 years uh, studying and working with remote viewing in uh, the military intelligence and the DIA. And I think early Stanford University was involved in this. And so some really you know, big heavy hitters were involved in this program and uh, went on for a very long time until it accidentally got exposed and the, at that point, it was, quote unquote, shut down. So who knows what's happening now? But um, it was one of those situations that if it wasn't working, we wouldn't keep spending money on it. <laughs> We've talked to several remote viewers. So I think our listeners are, are probably familiar with that idea. And again, it is the idea that you can see something that isn't readily available to your five senses by putting yourself in the right space 
Mm-hmm. And, and that, that can be learned. I mean, yeah, these were people who learned how to remote view. Actually, remote viewing is one of the easiest things to do. And I think Russell Targ in his recent movie, Third Eye Spies, did a whole uh, ex- experiment on that. And he had like hundreds of people in a room. And so like pretty much everybody could do it. It's, a very, it's actually a very easy thing to do for human beings when we open up our minds. And this really ties into what I said earlier about tapping into that sort of bank of information. It's not like we have to get out our crystal balls and like, you know, talk to spirits or anything. It's really just about tapping into what is and connecting through our intuition to this sort of higher awareness, this level of higher awareness. And you would be amazed at how many people, you know, I've done this in my courses for years with pretty much everybody gets at least something right that connects to a scene or, or a layout of a room. And it's, it's so, so interesting. It's such a fascinating a uh, place to experiment with intuition, but there's there's definitely something there. I was involved in a re- remote viewing experiment and that wasn't what it was called, but I was in another mm. workshop about consciousness and every person got, uh, every person wrote down the name of a relative mm-hmm. and then they put all the names in a hat mm-hmm. and they had everybody draw out a name that wasn't their own relative and did a meditation and then had that person describe the person whose name they had. And, oh, and I thought, well, this is just really crazy. And <laughs> so I, I had the name of, of somebody and I did my meditation. And then I, I looked at, at the name, I stood up and I said, well, I think this person is about Oh, five foot six or five foot eight inches tall, gray hair, uh, kind of a slight build. I was describing somebody and, and people were like fainting because they're like, oh my God, oh my God, that's exactly what they yeah. look like. You know, yeah. red hair or, you know, they describe the hair, the eyes, the height, the various aspects of, of people that they had. And for the most part, they were correct. Yep. And, and it was just stunning to me. And then much later when Gary and I were talking to remote viewers on the radio, I said, you know, I think I, I think I did a remote viewing. Mm-hmm. I think I did that. Yeah. And it wasn't that hard. Yeah. It wasn't right. it that just, hard. It, it, when you get into that headspace, right? You think you're crazy at first, right? These things start popping in. Maybe I'm making this up. And then you realize when you start just saying what comes to mind that there's actually really quality data coming through you right now with the words that you're saying. And, you know, you know, in the beginning, it's so, when this happens, it's so exciting. And I mean, it, it's never not exciting. I don't want to say that. I, I am excited about it all the time, but I can tell you, you know, and I've been teaching this in my courses and in, in the intuition lab for years now, and I see it over and over and over again, the same exact thing that you're talking about. People don't think they can do it. People think it's something that's, you know, that you have to be born with this special ability to do. And then we do these kinds of exercises and pretty much everybody gets it right in, in some way, shape or form. So it's so exciting. And I would love for there to be more research, like real, you know, get some yes. of that evidence that, you know, we were talking about a second ago and some real like big scientific studies on this, because if you do it the right way, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's something that anyone can do really. Anyone can do. And after our break, we're going to talk about why they should do it. We're talking with Kim Chesney, author of Radical Intuition, A Revolutionary Guide to Using Your Inner Power. This is a book great for 2021. If you want to make a significant change 
in 2021 as to how you live your life. Kim Chesney is going to answer more questions on the other side of this break. So thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell. Stay tuned and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is mansonmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Every two minutes, a child becomes a victim of sex trafficking in the U.S. It's happening right now. Don't turn off the radio or change the channel. Don't cover your kids' ears, no matter how much you want to ignore it. Child trafficking is real. In fact, it's happening in your town. And you know what our greatest weapon against child trafficking is? It's our children. It's time to act with PACT. That's Partners Against Child Trafficking. PACT works to teach students how to identify the warning signs of child trafficking so they can help other vulnerable kids around them. PACT student ambassadors receive in-depth training on the issue and design a project to raise awareness, reduce victimization, and disrupt demand. Visit PACT.city to start donating today. That's P-A-C-T C-I-T-Y. And for as little as $5 a month, you can help end child exploitation. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome Kim Chesney, who talks about sharpening your intuition using her very practical program from Radical Intuition. Control your own destiny in 2021. On Saturday, Corey Cooper celebrates the birthday and musical legacy of Elvis Presley, forever known as the king of rock and roll. Bringing you fascinating talk one hour at a time since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk, 1150. Thank you, Elvis Presley. Happy birthday to Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. Soft and moody in that case, but sounding a hopeful note. That's Benny, the wonders of Benny. We didn't have that selected for today. He did. He thought, oh, let's go get this out of the library. And boom, here we are. We are talking with Kim Chesney. She has written a wonderful book. It can, add, it can revolutionize your life. I'm just going to lay it out there. It has that potential, and it's beautifully written, too. There are spaces where you can stop to breathe in a book like Radical Intuition, A Revolutionary Guide to Using Your Inner Power. And when I say there are places where, just like good music, you stop to take it in and breathe for a beat, it's also a tightly written work with a lot of 
scholarly attention paid to how you make the case for having radical intuition as an innate human ability, a capacity. And we love stuff like that because if you're going to make an argument, you need to back it up on Manson Mitchell. And Kim does that beautifully. <laughs> Kim Chesney, why don't we do what we call our marketing piece? Tell people how to get the book. I understand it's available through Amazon, but where else can they get it? Where can they find you and where they can sign up for one of your many classes and activities online? Yay. Yes, yes, yes. So you can get everything on my website, kimchesney.com. That's K-I-M-C-H-E-S-T-N-E-Y. Uh, right now, we have our annual Intuition Masterclass and Awakening program, which is our first ever radical intuition class since the book just came out. And it's a six-week program where you work with me, and I'll help you to develop your intuition and do all these fun things that we're talking about today. And uh, if you want to learn more about my school, you can go to intuition-lab.com. We have a number of different programs all throughout the year to support your intuitive journey wherever you are. Excellent. Thank you. One of the things that I mentioned before the break is why would people want to develop their radical intuition? Because, you know, right now they're just worried about surviving mm -hmm. and the COVID and everything that's going on. And I just have each day, I have a whole, long list of to do things. So why would I want to develop my intuition? Yeah, yeah, and it's actually so important right now. I look at you know the silver lining of all of this crazy stuff that we're all going through right now, as really having this moment uh, in time to take a break and to hopefully take a little time out from our lives. Because you know one of the things I always talk about with intuition is that in order to really awaken it and grow it and open to it, we have to have more space in our lives. We have to have more stillness and quiet. And that is one advantage to uh, you know, being homebound and not running around doing as much as there is an opportunity for us to create a little more space, some time alone for, to listen to our intuition and open to that inner guidance. And you know, the reason why it's so important right now is we're having this opportunity to reset. We're having this opportunity to reconnect and step back from our lives and figure out now, as we've taken a little pause, you know, what was working, what wasn't working? What do I want to change? Where do I want to pivot? A lot of people are in situations where they need to find new jobs and new careers and new pathways because so much has changed with this pandemic. So our intuition is not just there on the, on the spiritual side. The wonderful thing about it is, is this, it gives us this opportunity to reconnect with ourselves and reconnect with who we are and go into that place of, of power that I talk about, that place where you stand in your own truth and know your own truth and are willing to take that out of the world and own it. And and so the, the intuitive process is really a two-part process of, of knowing that, of coming to terms and awakening intuition, like we've been talking about, becoming aware that it's real and that it's, it's actually a thing. But then once we move into that space, we can use that information to help us and support us to lead better, happier, more peaceful, supportive, productive lives. And it will do all of that because our intuition is our best friend. It is there to guide us every step of the way. It wants us to fulfill our highest potential, make our lives better and make the world better. It is no, no less than that is the job of your intuition. So really learning to rely on that, learning to understand what your inner guidance is telling you, what your inner wisdom holds for you can really help you to mold your life into the life that you are made for, to, to fulfill your purpose and follow the right callings and, and know the truth and find the peace in all of this craziness and uncertainty. Because there is a path for all of us through this. 
it's a scary time. It's a time of the unknown, but we're out of our comfort zone right now. And if there's one thing that I know from all of this intuition work is that great things come when we step outside of our comfort zone. So we can use this. We can use this as an opportunity to wake up. You know, this is a big wake up call to wake up and to start listening to ourselves instead of all of that conditioning and nonsense that has been really trying to take over our consciousness and our minds and distract us for so many decades now in our culture. I'll tell you the, the, the biggest problem that I have with intuition, the number one problem, mm-hmm. and you probably have run into this oh, a million times by now, <laughs> and that is the difficulty of distinguishing mm-hmm. between a real intuitive thought and is that just my everyday thought? Am I, is, is that just a thought that I would have had anyway? What's the mm-hmm. difference? How can you distinguish between something that's actually intuitive versus your mind just analyzing and trying to figure out the puzzle pieces without intuition? Yeah, great question. I spend a lot of time on that in my work, in the book, in my teachings, because I think that that is really fundamental in the process is really learning to distinguish intuition from everything else that's in your head because everyone says follow your inner voice well guess what there's a lot of voices in our head there's a lot of feelings in our head you know yeah right there's our inner critic there's there's so much judgment there's there's so many different things so uh so learning to follow that true north that true solid voice of our intuition that is that higher connection that that's the art of really mastery with, with your intuition so in the book, I have a list, a checklist of certain qualities that I figured out over the years that um, define real intuitions. So it can help you once you understand these to, to really sort of apply these questionable impressions or thoughts to this checklist and see, well, does it meet all the criteria of intuition? Like, for example, the, the number one thing um, when you're, you're asking yourself this question, if it was a real intuition, that the most important thing, first of all, to realize with your intuition is that it is, an, it is a thought, feeling, insight or sensation that comes to you out of nowhere. So think about that. So intuition is something that we simply receive. It's not something we work for, right? So we have to, if you ever have something pop into your mind out of nowhere, like you're just driving to work and some idea pops in your head, there's a good chance that that was a genuine intuition because it wasn't something that you actually like intellectually tried to create, right? So it's not, we don't create intuition. Intuition is given to us. So that's one criteria. Not everything that just comes to our head is intuition. Not everything blanket. It's not a blanket statement, but that's definitely a criteria. Right? We didn't create it ourselves. It's also some, not something that's laced with emotion, right? It's not something that's uh, uh, ego-based. Something that I'm going to get. Like, you have to very clearly delineate between your wants and your needs and your feelings and that true intuitive peace. So intuitions generally come from a place of peace and stillness and power. Uh, and you can feel what an intuition feels like when you when you get that true intuition. It's it's not something that is that is related to any specific emotion. It's above emotion, right? It's it's the feeling that's above emotion, and and the same thing goes with our thoughts. You know, it's it's not something that we manufacture. It's not something that we can think up. So so we start to like put these kind of things together, and we'll get a sense of what our own intuition feels like, and that's the real key is once you've had your intuition come through for you, and I always tell people to start a journal because you want to write this stuff down. So when you realize, oh, my intuition really came through on me, that's what intuition felt like. The more your intuition comes through for you and the more you remember and recognize how that feels, then it's easier in the future to differentiate these things because you know, okay, this, this was, this, I thought this was intuition and this worked. 
that I'm going to remember that I'm going to look for that feeling more and more. And it comes to you more. And that, that's really how that process of trust is built with your intuition. One of the things that you said earlier was about using your intuition in order to have a, you know, happier, healthier, better life. And really that's what we want to impress upon people as we're coming into a new year, because people are looking for, you know, what it is that they can do to make their lives better this year. And, and in the book, you talk about how we live each day with a sense of personhood and we experience the world as it relates to us. There's something that occurs when we begin to awaken and become more aware of our connection to life. And that is what happens to that personhood? What happens to that ego? There is, there is a, a shift that occurs when you begin to use your intuition more that has to do with how you are in the world. And I wanted you to, to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and, and that really is at the core of, you know, this process of opening to our intuition. And it really is, you know, it's not really a change. It's not, it's not that we're becoming something different. We're just becoming something more because we're opening to more than in this, than what we are in this place of personhood. You know, that's the sort of beauty of intuition. It's this link between personhood and all that is beyond personhood. You know, the universe and God and all the eternal energy that's out there connects to our individual consciousness and this, this unique being that we are that has this ability to perceive the world from our own place. It's united by this tie, this cord of intuition that connects them two together. Uh, so really, the more that we use our intuition, the more that we make that shift, that upward shift, that opening into higher places of understanding the world from a bigger place. It gives, it really gives us a sense of peace because we are able to see out of this without the blinders on, right? You know, when we're, I always use this analogy of, you know, you can be floating down the river in a, in a river on a canoe and, and you see all these turns and twists up ahead, but you don't know what's around the corner. You know, you don't know if there's a waterfall there, if you should freak out because I need to get ready. I, yeah, something could happen any moment. But when you start to live from this higher place of awareness, you can have a sense of the, even if you don't, you don't need to have psychic powers to know that everything that's going to happen in the future, but you have the sense of knowing this, that you're on a path and a path of acceptance, even if some hard times do come. So it really, it really frees us in the highest level when we start to connect with our intuition. Let me give you an example, Kim, and this involves Suzanne's father. This is several years ago. I remember, and it wasn't the first time that I experienced this, but every time it happens, I question, how can this be? What, what is trying to communicate which information to me and why does it happen this particular way? First thing you need to know is I'm a words person. I am not a numbers person. Suzanne is wonderful at math. I am not. So I was mystified when Suzanne went up to Chicago to tend to her father, along with other members of the family, as he was battling cancer, a fight that he would ultimately lose. And the thing is, his passing occurred sooner than anyone, including Mr. Mitchell, expected. Mm. Why, why does this factor into intuition? Simply because I didn't make the trip. I stayed here and just did what we do. And I remember laying in bed 
at night. And I think again the next morning upon waking. And I saw a geometric shape. I wouldn't even know. I don't know a trapezoid from a rhombus. So all I can tell you is that it was a shape. It wasn't amorphous. It appeared like a geometric shape. Mm -hmm. And it's, it danced in front of my eyes. It was mm. just there, hovering. Mm. And as I looked at it, I had the distinct impression <laughs> that Suzanne was going to be coming back after her father passed away, that he was actually going to make his transition. Mm -hmm. And it was something that was communicated like raw information. Mm -hmm. And what got my intention or attention, I should say, was this geometric shape. And I just remember nodding like, okay, I understand. Mm -hmm. Now, there's nothing that I could explain in terms of how something like this would happen, but there was an inner knowing. Mm -hmm. It was an inner power and, and the pilot light was on. And here mm -hmm. comes this image and I can look at it and I can understand what is about to happen so that I am emotionally prepared for Suzanne's sake. Mm -hmm. How do you explain something like that? Okay, first of all, I love this story. This is a wonderful story. And I wanna ask you a couple more questions about it real quick. So, so when you say you saw this shape, um, was it like a shape made of light? How, can, you, can you describe your the visual experience a little more in some more detail? Well, yes, I can, because this shape there had clean lines. It was an image in front of my face with my eyes open. I didn't have right. to close my eyes to see this. Right. So I'm looking at whatever was in the room that I was focused on at the moment. The shape hovers in front of my wakened eyes, mm -hmm. and yet I saw black, like darkness, the darkness of midnight, within the shape itself. It was a shape that framed the darkness. And that was a clear sign to me that this was not going to go as hope. There wasn't any bright sunshine, mm. there, no uh, you know, anything from a rainbow to a sunny day, you name it. There was none of that. There was just the blackness of night. And I thought, okay, I think I see which way this is going to go. And it turned out to be the case. Wow, and did you say that happened when you were in bed? Yes, at yeah. night and then when I woke up the next morning, it's like it was still with me. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, and and I I just want to say that I've had very I've had very similar experiences in in my time, uh, especially during my awakening period when I was younger. And I think that that's a very I don't want to say common, but I think that that's uh, the most you're when we wake up in the middle of the night. Our you know I always talk about how intuition is. Um, the key to really getting into that intuitive zone is getting our minds out of the way, right? If you, if you read the book, you probably heard me talk a lot about getting into this place of no mind, putting away our thinking mind to move into our intuitive mind. And the thing about these states when we wake up in the middle of the night or when we're just falling asleep at night or just wake up in the morning, we are still very uh, open in that intuitive state, right? Because our dreams are very intuitive. Even though we're not conscious, it's unconscious intuition, we're not in the space of mind. We're putting our mind away. So when we wake up in that moment, we have that magic couple of seconds where we have our rational thinking mind still connected with that intuitive mind. So we're in this beautiful place where we can experience intuitive things that our mind doesn't block out, right? Because when we're walking around in the daily life right here, looking at all the things around us, the trees and experiences and people, our minds go in so strong that these intuitive impressions and ideas can't come to us. So this, this kind of situation where you wake up at night and you have a vision or you see an angel or you see a situation like 
you know, I don't know what label we want to put on these things because there's such a mystery. It's hard to, to put a label on them. And, and I've had the same experience and, and I've had those moments where you wake up and, and in front of you, you, you see with your eyes, it's not like you're just imagining it in your mind's eye. It's very real and it's there and it's present. And with that comes an intuitive message. So, you know, however we want to label that, that is a real opportunity for us to uh, validate the, the fact that intuition is real and you experienced firsthand how you can communicate because there are a variety. I mean, we, we without get going, you know, off the rails with this whole situation is, you know, there is life beyond life. You know, we know that. And there's a variety of ways that, you know, multidimensional co communication between living beings happens. And in my mind, that's one of them. And that's the way that that you communicate beyond between the dimensions. I'll say intuition is the one thing you can take with you when you go, because it's the language of the universe. Everyone speaks to each other with their intuition, no matter what dimension, plane, or kind of even animals, pets, people, everyone uses intuition. One of the things that I have come to sense, and this is what I'm conversing with myself, uh, Kim, is, is that when I think about the possibility, and I'm just trying to put on my meager scientific hat that doesn't fit well, but Ooh. when I, I think, what if this is all a bunch of baloney? What if we are biological specimens, all of us, and when we breathe our last and we give up the ghost, as the old saying goes, mm -hmm. there's no ghost in the machine left. That's it. We've lived our life. We are extinguished. And that is the end. And over the years, and believe me, I resisted, I have come to the place where I can accept that as a real possibility. But every time I do, Kim, I say, you know what? If the worst thing that happens to me is that I die, I am no more. I fade like the summer grass. That's it. Goodbye. And I don't know I'm dead. Mm -hmm. That's not such a terrible thing. I'm just gone. And whatever my experiences were, whatever good they did me or the world, that's as far as it goes. And every time I have that thought, there's this, this bubble in my mm -hmm. brain that just pops up and says, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in some ways, I think it's wishful thinking because we're like, wow, the peace, just the simple peace of non-existence that that can be appealing at times. You know, we're living in a life where we're, we're under a lot of stress and we're, we're faced with challenges constantly. And there is a certain peace that would come with the idea of, of non-existence and uh, you know, I, I have the same exact experiences and, um, you know, from my own personal experiences, there's, I have pretty much no doubt <laughs> that there is definitely, there's definitely another uh, level of existence after the physical one. Um, beyond that, who can say, but I think that going with that intuition and just trusting that process is, you know, it's all we can do. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, before we close out the hour, I wanted to read uh, one paragraph from your book. It's on page 249 and uh, talk about that for a moment. And uh, the paragraph says, when you are in the resonant intuitive state of trust in life, everything feels good and possible. You wonder how anything could ever go wrong. You feel encouraged and supported in all you do because you are on the uplifted path. When you are going the wrong way, the friction is meant to slow you down. Those nudges and redirects get you back on the high road. They aren't a punishment. They are a redirect. No matter how lost you get or how much life hurts, 
your intuition holds the signposts for your way home. And when I read that, I was thinking, you know, sometimes it, it just feels like things aren't working out, yeah. but you don't, you don't say you're on the wrong path. You just say, it's just slowing you down to get back on the right path. Is there anything else about that, Kim? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's such an important thing for us to keep in mind because we all go through those phases. There's, we go through the growth phases where things are going our way and we're just on fire and life is great. But then we, we kind of find ourselves into a place where, okay, so something's slowing down and uh, you know, our, our goals aren't being met, our energy is blocked and why is this happening? So understanding this is all part of this flow, right? Our life is this flow and, and our intuition can give us these subtle nudges with closed doors or with uh, the slowing down process to get us, to keep us from going off the rails, to keep us from going off on that path. And even though it might look to us from our perspective as a great path, our intuition can see the big picture and the larger path ahead. No, you know, this, this isn't the way. So we have to trust. And that's where it gets back to getting in that place of trusting in life and trusting in what life brings us, you know, not just our inner guidance, but, you know, accepting what life brings us and trusting that it is for our best and, and moving into the space of when things aren't going our way, like we can kind of relate to that right now. Like this isn't what we've all been wanting to do with our lives for the past year. But okay, so let's move into this place of acceptance and trust in life that there is something good that can come out of this if we re allow ourselves to realign and get back into a new flow, maybe even a better flow than before. And it's hard to believe that it has been a whole year when we were first hearing about this pandemic uh, early in 2020. Some people heard about it in January, some people heard about it in February, but whenever it is that you heard about it, it's almost a year old. It's yeah. hard to believe that we've gone through a whole year of a global pandemic. Yeah. And it's not over yet. We just had our worst day ever here, oh. but um, you know, it will eventually end and we do have a year behind us. Yeah, and I mean, I think it is, you know, it's growing pains and there, there's gonna be a moment, you know, after the plague came the Renaissance. So I look forward to, you know, all the wonderful things we're gonna do when life opens up to us again. Yep, and me too, and Gary too. And we're gonna go and take a vacation, I think. <laughs> Sign me up. I wanted to let everybody know about this book once again. Radical Intuition is the title. Radical Intuition, a revolutionary guide to using your inner power. Kim Chesney, C-H-E-S-T-N-E-Y is the author. And using your inner power is operative as very well explained, not only articulately and scholarly, but eloquently between wow. the covers of this book. Kim, we got to do this again. Yes, I would love that. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today. Very good. I wanted to mention 1 p.m. Pacific time for a half hour, all things Elvis. Well, as much as we can cram into a half hour with Corey Cooper, Elvis expert. We're going to talk about the films of Elvis Presley. Corey joins us tomorrow. Yes, he does. We're, we'll talk some more Elvis tomorrow on Manson Mitchell. In the meantime, stay tuned for the Christine Upchurch show, followed by the Susan Harmon experience and then American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Have yourselves a wonderful, safe and happy weekend, everyone.